Okay. On this podcast, I am going to talk about one of the biggest hot button subjects in my field. When I wrote a blog on the subject, it broke my server because so many people were reading and sharing it. So what is the topic? Bitless dressage. Now the bit versus bitless debate can get really heated. Uh, many people believe you can't do quote real dressage without a bit. And then other people say that bits in general are cruel and punishing to horses. So my goal here is to present experienced based thoughts on the pros and cons of each. Now, it's experience-based because I have been riding and teaching and training in dressage using bits and going bitless for decades. And also in order to figure out if bitless dressage is real dressage, we're going to have to talk about what that means to do real dressage. So this is an information-packed episode. You might want to grab a notebook and a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. And uh, if you're listening and you're one of those people who might be on the, the edges of the spectrum and you have really strong dogmatic beliefs in one camp or the other, well, you might wanna grab a nice glass of wine or a cocktail <laughs> and settle in. All right, so here we go. Episode seven, to bit or not to bit. Hey, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. To bit or not to bit, is bitless a viable option for dressage? People often fit into one of the two categories, people who are against using bits at all, and then those who believe you can't get real results and you maybe can't even be safe unless you use a bit. And, you know, I think it's, it's shown that, yeah, horses can go bitless. The interesting thing is when you start talking about dressage, because dressage, as we'll talk about, seems to be so much dependent on the contact. So, um, this article is going to, or this podcast is going to shed some light on the pros and the cons and the uses of some of these tools that we have, right? So we just want to take a, a good factual look at the tools that we're using and the cause and effect of them. And um, why should you listen to me? So it's, a lot of you know me, but for those who don't, I think it's really important to get a little bit of background. So just briefly, um, you know, I started out riding with horses, bareback, bridleless, bitless, backwards, you know, so I, I, I started with a very free and natural relationship with my horses. 
However, then I did go on to receive formal dressage training. Uh, I studied under international rider trainer and top world-class judge Anne Gribbins. And I studied, you know, under her and alongside of her for over 25 years. I have competed at all the levels, training through Grand Prix. I represented the United States on the North American Young Riders team four times, um, once individual um, bronze. I graduated the USDF L judge program with distinction. I was accepted into the USEF small R judge program. I have developed students and horses from zero to FEI. Now I've also later re-immersed back into natural horsemanship and expanded my views from there to combine all of that to do what I call dressage naturally. And I think that that makes me uniquely qualified to speak on this subject. So in, in my Dressage Naturally program, I move freely between bits and no bits, depending on the stage and depending on the horse. The ultimate goal of all my training always is to do dressage, the good kind. <laughs> the kind that's about harmonious education and happy athletes and healthy biomechanics and the partnership uh, between horse and rider. So one of the reasons I wanted to just tell a little bit of my history, because depending on who is listening here, some of you might have been triggered by some of the things I said, right? So when I say that I do dressage, I know that those of you listening are getting a really big range of pictures of what you're seeing, right? There's German dressage, Dutch dressage, French dressage, classical dressage, you know, Spanish dressage, you name it. And I know that when I say natural horsemanship, a lot of you are having really different pictures in your mind about what that means. So when I say that I do dressage, just to kind of find a simple baseline, let's just say I'm putting a priority on creating happy horses with healthy movement. So I don't sack horses out. I don't chase them around round pens. I don't flop around with bad biomechanics. Those are all the things people think of when they hear natural horsemanship sometimes. And I don't use side reins and draw reins. I don't do roll cur because that's what sometimes picture people picture when I say dressage. So I want to also establish right from the beginning that neither bitless or, or riding with a bit is inherently more gentle or harsh than the other. It's totally dependent on the heart and the hands that are at the other end of the reins. It is possible to be cruel and unfair bitless in a halter. And it's possible to have the most magical, respectful, gentle connection with a horse through the reins, even if you have a double bridle in. So let's look at the tools of dressage first. So as far as disciplines go, I think actually dressage has some of the most gentle horse-friendly rules regarding bits that are allowed you know, compare that to the jumping ring. Um, and I really respect that about dressage. Now, not every rider uses the equipment well, 
but at least the rules are written in a way that sounds nice. And um, I think some of the basic intentions regarding the bit and contact really need to be refreshed in our mind. So I'm going to attempt to give my vision of of what contact is and my humble opinion about what real real dressage is. Um, I think it's critical to do that in order to make a good decision about whether bitless is a viable option. Now, whenever I talk about bit, so actually going back to the tools of dressage, so the main bits allowed in dressage are, are in the simple snaffle version of things, right? So dressage does not allow um, twisted wires or, you know, pointy things and nose bands, you know, dressage bits are very gentle on the spectrum of types of bits. So just think simple snaffle. If you're picturing a dressage bit, think simple snaffle, smooth, no sharp parts. And we'll start there. And we have to talk about what are we all picturing when I talk about bitless. So when I talk about bitless, I want you to imagine something that looks kind of halter-like, um, simple nose piece with a rein attached to each side. So there's all kinds of bitless bridles. Some have a lot of leverage. You can have a bitless bridle that has spikes in the nose piece and chains and leverage and shanks. And so don't picture that. So we have to start kind of at a, you know, agreement about what we're talking about here. So think simple snaffle and think side pull. I hate the word side pull because I don't like pulling, but just think like halter with reins attached on the side, some version of that. I have my own design you can find it in my web shop and it really just looks like a very nice, pretty leather halter with reins on the side. Okay. Um, I also want to establish, as you probably have figured out, that I do believe that yes, I don't even have to believe it. I know it. <laughs> yes, you can do dressage bitless. It's totally possible to do completely correct dressage up through Grand Prix without a bit. Some horses do it better without a bit, and some will do it easier with a bit you know, with or without, depending on their particular comfort level and needs. Okay, so I think what we, I should start with is the arguments that I hear from both sides. So I want to look at the common arguments for and against bits. Now we talked about the, what kind of equipment you should be picturing when I say bit or when I say bitless. But we also have to come to an agreement that when we picture this tool being used, whichever tool it is, I want you to picture it being used by a competent horseman, right? So I never like to judge a technique based on how it's done by someone without skills. So let's imagine it being done with a skilled rider and if we picture it being done with a skilled rider, then we can really isolate what the actual equipment is doing. So many times on the internets, I will see people trying to um, hold up, you know, make an argument for their case by showing 
an excellent rider riding with whatever they believe in a bit or not a bit. And they compare that to the other way of doing things. And then they show terrible riding, right? So, you know, you'll see um, someone who's against bits showing beautiful, harmonious riding with um, bitless. And then they show horrible riders yanking their horses' faces off with a bit. And I've seen it the other way around too. People who think that, you know, bitless isn't good, they'll show people um, hauling on their horses' faces and overbending them in a, in a bitless bridle, and then beautiful skilled riding with a bit. So let's picture, everybody, you guys have to agree, I can't control the pictures in your head, but let's agree that we're thinking of skilled riding. And we always should be riding with skill. That's always the goal, no matter what piece of equipment we're using. Okay, <laughs> now that we've established that. Common arguments that I've heard against riding with a bit. Okay, so these are the anti-bit arguments. Bits are painful to the horse. Okay, my answer not necessarily if it's the a bit that's selected well, fitted well, and used correctly. Now, some horses will never feel comfortable in a bit, even if they aren't necessarily in pain. Some horses practically grab the bit in their mouths themselves. You show them the bridle and they put it on. So I think it is I have seen horses eagerly, willingly carry a bit with no signs of pain or stress or tension. So bits are not necessarily painful to the horse. Some horses don't like them, and we'll get to that. <laughs> but some horses don't mind them at all. Another argument that I hear is bits are harmful to the horse, right? So sometimes there's discomfort and then sometimes there's actual injury. So I'm separating those two. So bits are harmful to the horse, not necessarily. If you select them correctly, fit them correctly and use them correctly. Now I do agree that the potential for physical damage is greater with a bit due to the delicate nature of the tissues of the mouth and the sensitivity of the TMJ joint. So yes, we are in a very delicate area of the horse's body, but if you don't use them poorly, then they don't do any harm at all. So another argument I've heard against, against bits is bits are not necessary. Now, I totally agree. <laughs> I don't think bits are necessary either. A bit is a tool of refinement, which means it should take something that's already working well and make it work and feel even better. So no, they are not necessary. However, for some horses especially, the bit offers a level of refinement 
sophistication, delicateness, and lightness that's just too amazing to miss. And there's been plenty of horses that I have that go well bitless. And when you put the bit in the mouth, it's like everything just becomes even softer and yummier and more delicate and more refined. So as someone who has felt that, um, and, you know, and you can literally put fewer ounces of pressure on the reins. And as long as the horse isn't reacting, they're understanding you've educated them. And that level of delicateness, I have felt have such positive effects on the riding, the general um, amount of aids I have to use, the balance that they, they have, um, that for me, it's still worth doing. As much as I train bitless, there's a magical thing that can happen with a bit that I think is a shame if you miss that. <laughs> Another argument against bits is um, I've heard people say it puts too much pressure on the delicate mouth when you take contact to ask the horse to be round. So these are that's a sentence that's often said to me. Now, I agree that it puts too much pressure on the delicate mouth when you take contact. But I also believe that healthy contact is not about taking. So riders who come and go, my horse gets, it's too, bits are too harsh when you take the contact. And I'm thinking, well, stop taking the contact. That's not how you're supposed to create roundness. So um, <laughs> think of, think of the horse is the one that's supposed to be reaching into the contact and your hands receive the contact. So this kind of contact can feel amazing and it's an honor to feel it because the horse is trusting your hands with his mouth and the hands receive the feel that the horse offers. So the roundness and the softness in the jaw and the pole is going to be happening as a result of the horse moving in balance and self-carriage, that the balance is so good and the hands are so trustworthy that the horse allows himself to go into this posture of trust. If you're thinking of taking the contact and taking and putting the horse into a round shape, well, then you probably shouldn't ride with a bit because that's not how you're supposed to get the roundness in the posture. It's about receiving the contact. So whether bitted or bitless, the contact must be excellent and it must be achieved as a result of the balance of the horse. So in my experience, many horses who are described as hard mouth are actually horses that have experienced this taking of the contact and if, and yes, it's a sensitive area. So what do they do? They, they brace, right? The, ah, it's going to be pressure, right? And so they brace their jaw and their neck and their shoulders to protect themselves. And then too often the logic of this rider is to put a stronger bit on, which just perpetuates the problem. 
Okay. And I know I'm getting a little bit off my promise because I was supposed to be talking about only excellent writing, but, um, but you can see this thought process. If you think that contact is about taking or asking the horse to like give his head or some people even say, give, give face horrible. Like if you're thinking it's about taking the horse into a shape and pulling the head in, you should not be riding with a bit, but that's not the problem of a bit. That's the problem of how you're asking and how you're thinking about it. Now, for the record, in the spirit of fair and balanced presentation here, um, a rider that, that takes the contact in a bitless bridle can cause the same kind of damage, maybe not in the horse's mouth, but you're going to still be causing unhealthy dynamics because you're going to be pulling the horse's head in, causing the same contraction and tightening of the neck, which is going to set up a whole other dynamic through their whole body of contraction instead of reaching forward. So bad riding is an equal opportunity for bad riding in bitless or with a bit. All right. So common arguments against going bitless while doing dressage. The most, well, they're all pretty common, but I put this one first. You can't achieve real collection without a bit. Now, I strongly disagree with this. Horses can collect themselves all by themselves. I had a horse who did his first and probably most amazing piaf I ever saw him do when he was the last one in the horse trailer. <laughs> Three other horses offloaded and he was still left on there. And I'm like, oh, look at that piaf. Okay, it wasn't good. It was, he was getting anxious. But still, he didn't need me in there giving him any aids at all. And he certainly didn't need a, a bit in his mouth. Dressage is all about enhancing movement that is natural to them. So if you want to think about what is collection, you can look in the FEI rule book. And Article 417 of the FEI rule book describes collection. And it does not even mention a bit or contact. Now, earlier in Article 401, it states that all horses need to be, quote, on the bit. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But I think it's really clear that collection is primarily about the body and the balance of the horse. Now, it is fair to say that competitive dressage has decided that contact with the bit is something they want to be able to judge. But it's not fair to say that contact with the bit is required in order to meet the description of what collection is. Now, I know this is a big subject, so hang in here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back to that even in more detail. But in case you don't have the rule book, now you can Google the rule book, but I'll tell you what Article 417 says about collection. It says the aim of collection of the horse is A, 
to further develop and improve the balance and equilibrium of the horse, which has been more or less displaced by the additional weight of the athlete. B, and by athlete they mean rider in this case. B, to develop and increase the horse's ability to lower and engage his hindquarters for the benefit of lightness and mobility of his forehand. And C, to add to the, quote, ease and carriage of the horse and to make it more pleasurable, pleasurable to ride. Now, I hate that they, they use the word it to describe the horse. Anyway, side note. <laughs> All right, so that doesn't say anything about contact. All right, the, another common objection to doing dressage bitless is, uh, this is one of the top ones, dressage is all about contact with the horse's mouth. I strongly disagree. Dressage is about biomechanics and communication. The quality of the biomechanics and communication will show up in the reins, and it's certainly part of the circuit of energy, but the reins of the contact is not the main part of dressage. Issues of the body will show up in the contact, and issues caused by bad contact can inhibit what's trying to happen in the body, but that does not make dressage all about the contact. The object of dressage is the development of the horse into a happy athlete through harmonious education, resulting in a horse that's calm, loose, supple, and flexible, but also confident, attentive, and keen, thus achieving perfect understanding with his rider. That's Article 401, description of the object of dressage. Don't say anything about the contact in there. All right, another common objection to doing dressage bitless. You can't judge dressage unless there's a bit in the mouth because it's the most important part of dressage. Without a bit, it's not real dressage. So as I kind of said before, unfortunately, it may indeed be true based on today's rules for judging, but we can still debate whether today's rules are the determination of what makes real dressage. Now keep in mind that the Dutch spent three years testing bitless in competitions and ended up deciding that there was no reason not to allow it. So actually as of April 1st, 2014, they allow bitless in the lower levels and you can Google that too. So I just really have a hard time believing that the bit is the most important part of dressage. I agree that contact and connection through the reins is an important piece of the horse rider connection. Just for me, that horse rider connection, including through the reins, does not have to be attached to the mouth. So I think it'd be interesting to look at now, what are the rules for judging? If they're saying you can't judge dressage unless there's a bit in the mouth, let's look at the rules for judging. The USEF, US Equestrian Federation rules for judging state that the following should be kept in mind when arriving at the scores. And this is based on article 401 that I just 
recited to you that's in the FEI rule book, the International Equestrian Federation rule book. So the first part of um, what the rule book says a judge should keep in mind was that object of dressage that I just recited to you, the development of the horse into the happy athlete through harmonious education, as a result, making the horse calm, loose, supple, and flexible, also confident, attentive, and keen, thus, thus achieving perfect understanding with the rider. Part two of that is, these qualities are demonstrated by A, the freedom and regularity of the gates, B, the harmony, lightness, and ease of the movements, C, the lightness of the forehand, and the engagement of the hindquarters originating from a lively impulsion, and D, the acceptance of the bit with, submiss with submissiveness and throughness, Durchlässigkeit, without any tension or resistance. So, in order for bitless to comply with the rules as written, all that would need to happen is to change the word bit to contact. So the acceptance of the bit is just one part of one part of what's looked for. It doesn't even get its whole, a whole sentence. And the acceptance of the bit is intimately wrapped up with, with throughness and submissiveness and lack of tension or resistance. So with or without a bit, lack of throughness, tension, or resistance will be very apparent. I have a hard time believing that a judge, a trained dressage judge, would not be able to see how good the performance of the horse was if he was unable to see whether or not there was a bit in the horse's mouth. So in the blog, and if you go to the show notes, if you go to the, my podcast page on my website and find this episode and click on the show notes for this episode, I'll have a link to my blog. And in the blog, I have a whole bunch of pictures of me riding horses and I've blocked out so that you can't see what's actually on the horse's head. So when you look, you can just see me riding and all my beautiful imperfection, <laughs> but you can't tell if it's bitless, with a bit, bridleless, you just can't tell. Um, so it gives you a way to look, and so can you still critique the biomechanics and the posture and the movement, even without seeing what's in the horse's mouth? And my guess is, yes, you can. <laughs> all right, so now, this brings me to my biggest question to dressage. And it's this. If contact with the bit is so important in order to judge, quote, real dressage, then why are nosebands allowed? If you really want to judge the quality of the contact because it's so important, take the nosebands off. You're going to learn a whole lot more <laughs> about what's going on in the contact. Okay, that was a big one. All right, so another common argument about why bitless 
is not a viable option is that you can't talk to the horse directly to soften his jaw without a bit. Now, that's true. You can't. So, but even though it is the one conversation you cannot directly have without a bit, you can still, even bitless, influence the jaw indirectly by eliminating the reasons for the tension in the jaw that comes from their minds, their bodies, their balance, their rider's hands. Now, another thing to keep in mind is that much of the tension that's showing up in horses' jaws are actually created by uncomfortable or the poor use of bits. So if, you, if when I look at dressage riders doing what they might call, I'm going to use air quotes, I use air quotes a lot, jaw suppling techniques, what I usually see is not actually anything that would supple the jaw. And in fact, the kind of techniques I see, which usually are some degree of squeezing one rein and then squeezing the other rein, that if there wasn't a noseband on the horse would probably be causing the horse to gape his jaw. We're just not seeing that because there's no noseband on. So there is actually a very specific technique that is designed specifically to relax the horse's jaw. But this is a very different technique, and I almost never see this in, here comes some air quotes, normal dressage. So the technique that can actually soften a horse's jaw is when you lift one hand up and forward in line with the line of the horse's mouth. So it lifts up in the corners of the horse's mouth, not backwards against the jaw, right? So if the horse's mouth is here, then you would lift the bit up this way, not be taking it back that way. And I know for those of you listening, I just did a hand gesture that you can't see. But just imagine where, you know, find the line of your horse's mouth and imagine lifting up in that line. So if you're riding, you actually have to bring your hand up and forward. And that actually by lifting up through the corners of the mouth will cause the horse to um, softly open his mouth by acting on the corners. And in that will begin to lick and chew and move their jaw. If you're taking and squeezing or worst case scenario seesawing i've seen that called a jaw suppling technique if you're doing anything like that you're actually putting pressure against the jaw now the horse has a couple options to either gape his mouth open right by the pressure or defend himself by clenching his jaw more so <laughs> The, that jaw softening technique, now that's something that Philip Carl teaches really well. That's where I learned it from. And there's a very specific scenario where that technique is the perfect technique. And that's when there's tension in the horse's jaw and the source of the tension is the jaw. You know, just like some people will clench their jaws 
they're not wearing bits, but sometimes if you're tense, you'll clench your jaw. And then that technique really helps to eliminate it. But if I'm riding a horse without a bit, sometimes there can be tension in the jaw. And that is the source of the tension. So I'm riding a horse without a bit. He's tense. He's clenching his jaw. I can't talk to it. I, you know, everything else feels good. Then I might put a bit in so that I can use that lifting hand, jaw softening, um, relaxing technique. But that's, in my experience, that's a very small percentage of the horses. Most of the time, if there is tension in the jaw, if you're riding with a bit or without a bit, that tension is coming from the body or the balance or the rider's body or the rider's balance or the way they're using their hands. And if you're riding with the bit, most of the time tension in the jaw is coming from the bit itself. So I don't think that argument of you can't soften your horse's jaw without a bit is actually viable in most of the cases that I see going on in dressage. Okay, another argument against bitless. Riding bitless allows the horse to tolerate bad hands, so riders will not develop good hands. Well, yes and no. I mean, yes, the nose is not as sensitive as the mouth, but for the lower levels or young horses, we could look at it the same way as we, uh, as we um, look at allowing rising trot. You know, some young horses with some riders will feel much better at the rising trot. Some feel better sitting. But rising trot is now allowed much more in the lower levels um, than it used to be back in the day because not every young horse or inexperienced lower level rider can deal with sitting the trot in a healthy, happy way. But did the dressage world say that, well, riders are not going to learn how to sit the trot <laughs> if we let them rise? You know, so we allow rising through training and first level. You know, it was agreed that it was a nice way to allow horses and riders to feel more comfort and ease of movement and set them up for success later. So at the very least, you could see bitless as a similar option. So if you think it's going to protect horses against bad hands and you're in the lower levels, well, let, let them go bitless. <laughs> so they're not in the horse's sensitive mouth. Okay, so upon hearing the arguments against bitless, I have questions. So number one, this is going to sound familiar. If the quality of the contact is such an important thing to judge, why are nosebands allowed? The whole point of nosebands is to hide what's going on in the mouth, to so keep the mouth shut. From a training perspective, if your horse, quote, needs a noseband because he's evading the bit, I think the trainer needs to be motivated to solve the reason for the evasion rather than simply covering it up. Now, I realize that not all people who are putting nosebands on their horses use tight nosebands. And I know there's some people who are going to talk about how it stabilizes the bit. But... 
Well, no spans are a whole other article. I actually wrote a blog on that. I'm sure I'll do a podcast episode at some point. So I'm going to actually try to control myself here. But the bottom line is that if you say dressage is all about the contact with the bit and you're saying you need a noseband to stabilize the bit, my question would be, why is it unstable? Why don't we solve that? I think the rules should be written, should be such that the judges can really be able to assess the quality of the contact by not allowing nosebands. All right, number two, my second question. If you're saying, not you, but if someone is saying, quote, you cannot achieve real collection without a bit, then are you, are you saying that riding bitless is a disadvantage? If it's a disadvantage, why not just allow it? And then the scores are going to work themselves out. Why not? Now, number three, if you say that riding bitless allows horses to more comfortably tolerate bad hands and it avoids the requirement of, quote, acceptance of the bit, then you're saying that riding bitless is an, an advantage. And are you saying that there could be a situation where if someone riding bitless scored higher than you, he might have scored lower if only the horse could feel how bad the rider's hands were? To me, the biomechanics and the movements will tell the real story. And a judge will be able to tell bad hands from good hands. And the really bad hands in a bitless bridle will still mess up the quality of the dressage enough, you know, that the judge will be able to tell. And again, like I said, if the rider's hands are that unsteady, isn't it just wise to let them go bitless the same way we choose to rise the trot or to not use spurs if the leg is unsteady, right? If a rider's leg is really unsteady, the judge would probably say, hey, you shouldn't be wearing spurs. Well, let's do the same for the bit. Spurs and bits are both tools of refinement. And in the rider score, the judge has an opportunity to mark down any bad riding. So my fourth question is, so what is it? An advantage or a disadvantage? When I ask people who are, quote, against bitless, they usually mention all the above arguments. But what's interesting is they, con they conflict themselves whether riding bitless is an advantage or a disadvantage. So if we can't figure out whether doing dressage bitless is an advantage or a disadvantage, then it's neither, or it's both, or it, it doesn't matter. And number five, if dressage is really about judging the contact with the horse's mouth, then why are nosebands allowed? Oh, wait, I already said that one. I think that one's worth repeating. Okay, how are you guys doing? Hanging in there? I just want to talk about a little more because this is really important. So more thoughts about dressage and posture and contact. So remember Article 401, the object of dressage, you know, development of the horse into a happy athlete. That is something that I live by and there's no mention of bits. 
And remember, of the six points under the general object of dressage, only one mentions a bit, and it does so only in quotes on the bit. So according to the FEI rules, a horse is said to be, quote, on the bit when the neck is more or less raised and arched according to the stage of training and the extension or collection of the pace, accepting the bridle with a light and consistent, soft, submissive contact. The head should remain in a steady position as a rule slightly in front of the vertical with a supple pole as the highest point of the neck and no resistance should be offered to the rider. All that would have to change would be to say on the contact instead of on the bit. And everyone could be happy. But dressage gets really particular about that part where it says the bit. And I got to say, when I go look at normal dressage, that whole, as a rule, the head should be slightly in front of the vertical. They're pretty lax with that rule. <laughs> Just saying. So later in article 408, yeah, we want to talk, what is real dressage? This is what we're looking at. Let's look at what is real dressage according to the rule book. So far, it doesn't really conflict that much with going bitless. In 408, 408 it talks about the all-important half halt. And the word bit and bridle aren't even used. It's clearly concerned with biomechanics. There's only one rider mention of rider's hands. So here's what it says. The half halt is an almost simultaneous coordinated action of the seat, the legs, and the hands of the athlete with the object of increasing the intention, the attention and balance of the horse before the execution of the movements or transitions to lower and higher paces. By shifting slightly more weight onto the horse's hindquarters, the engagement of the hind legs and the balance of the haunches are improved for the benefit of the lightness of the forehand and the horse's balance as a whole. I can do that bitless. There's no conflict there. Now, a lot of times people think, talk about submissiveness, right? We talked about the bit and the submissiveness. People love that word. There's a whole podcast episode about that word. But um, in Article 416 of the FEI rule book about submission, in there's six bullet points. Only one of them mentions acceptance of the bit. But the section finishes with this reminder about sub what submission is. And it says this, the first thought when considering submission is willingness that the horse understands what's being asked of it and is confident enough in the rider to react, they say athlete, <laughs> confident enough in the athlete to react to the aids without fear or tension. Now, surely that can be achieved even without a bit. I mean, I know it can. So yes, I suppose that the way the rules are written, you would not be able to judge, quote, acceptance of the bit without a bit. But imagine if the word bit could be changed to contact. I have every confidence that a judge would be able to tell the difference between a horse and rider pair that has a dynamic of 
excellent submission according to the definition in, in Article 416. And then they could judge excellent and not excellent connection with the reins, whether or not a bid is attached with one that doesn't have this. I think I have more confidence in the judges than the, than, than the judges do. So what is real dressage? Biomechanics, healthy biomechanics. That's a result of posture and the posture is a result of everything. Posture is not just about the shape of the head and the neck and tracking up, although those are often the easiest things to see. The mental and emotional states usually hugely affect the posture. So we need to train the horse's body and mind from back to front with the hands that wait to receive the contact. Roundness comes through balance, balance comes through movement. And I say this to emphasize that the quality of the contact is a result of the quality of the balance of the body and not the other way around. Although bad hands sure can mess it up. You know, as a trainer, I don't want a neck that is rounder than the body. The neck is so flexible and the mouth is so sensitive. The biggest training issues with horses that are with, are with horses that have learned to disconnect their necks from the rest of their bodies. And I have a whole other podcast on that. So having a more powerful tool at the end of the reins could actually make it easier to hide issues of balance. You know, with the bit, it's easier to make the neck look rounder, even if the horse is stiff in his back. And maybe that's an advantage to a competitor if they're hoping the judge will be fooled. Look, the neck is round. Horse must be round. But I think hoping for an incompetent judge doesn't sound like an advantageous situation for the sport in general. So when it comes to the bit, I think we need to honor the sensitivity of the mouth. And what needs to be assessed regarding contact with a bit is that the horse is remaining calm and open and trusting with an uncontracted neck, even with a piece of metal in his mouth. And if we think of it this way, you can establish all of these things without a bit. And then you put the bit in and test are they still open? Are they still relaxed? Gently licking the bit, mouthing, not having to be held with their mouth tight with a noseband. It values the refinement involved in attaining this amazing connection and not just default going to the bit, no matter what kind of hands you have. It reminds us that in dressage, bits are not meant for control, but for sophisticated communication. Now, maybe this is what dressage doesn't want to give up. They don't want to give up that sophisticated communication that's necessary in communicating with a bit and that refined art of connection. But then again, if that was really the case, if that was really the argument against bitless, then I think dressage better clean up its own act regarding what's tolerated right now regarding the contact in normal dressage with tight nose bands. 
many horses are really enduring, not so good riding. I think dressage, if they're going to be so righteous about the contact, they've got to be better at cleaning up their own act. Remember, a bit is a tool of refinement. It should take something that's already working well without a bit, and then it makes it work even better. So I think that's enough for now. So what I'd like to do is wrap it up here. And I'm going to promise you the next episode, I'm going to go on. And what I'd like to do in the next episode is give you some stories of actual horses that I have trained, all of them starting bitless and then moving into with a bit. And I have some really different individuals, some that loved bits, any kind of bit, some were really particular and some that just simply did not like bits. And none of those horses training had to stop because of it. So again, I'll go to the, wherever you're listening to this, uh, if you go to my website, dressagenaturally.net slash podcast and find this episode you can click on show notes. I'll, I'll link to my blog. You can see a whole bunch of pictures in there of me riding in all different kinds of horses and all different kinds of uh, equipment, bit, you know, bits or bitless. And all of my material that I teach, whether it's in my book, my video classroom, my online um, step-by-step programs, bitless and bitted is totally welcome. And this is one of the things that I help riders navigate through is what tool is going to be the best one for you and your horse at different stages, depending on what the horse prefers. In the end, it's really the horse that should get to decide. All right. Thank you so much for listening and hanging in there. I know this is a huge subject and I hope this brings some clarity. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process. Mm -hmm.